Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. Wow. I... I'm not sure that there's much left to be said after that. Um, but I'd be remiss, and it's not often I get to preach twice in, in a row, so let me not waste an opportunity. Um, I, last week we spoke about being atmosphere changers and shifting atmospheres, and Today, I just want to say to Pastor Wendy, there's nothing more significant than what she's going to do. It's about changing atmospheres, about stepping into people's pain and their, their struggles and changing realities, changing atmospheres. And so, on Wednesday, Daniel, with At The Well, just said something that made my ears stand, on, stand up straight, okay? And he, he said that, he was speaking about being anointed for leadership. And that just caused me to go have a look at this whole thing again. And so I want to just rehash quickly before those of you who weren't here or those of you forgotten last week, okay? If we look at 1 John 2 verse 20. But you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have the knowledge. Okay, so whatever circumstances you face, and I've been confronted with this reality this week in the most bizarre ways, okay, is that you have the knowledge, even when it seems like you don't. But I'm also confronted with the fact that we're anointed not only to feed the sheep, but to protect, to provide, and defend them. And... I'm going to be going back to 1 Samuel, but last week we looked at the anointing of Saul. And today I want to look at the anointing of David. And if you're so inclined to study the scriptures, okay, then there's a lot to be discovered in what God had intended for Saul as the first king that he anointed and appointed. And how that went wrong so quickly that he had to appoint a new, new king. And so David enters the, the scene, okay? And I want to capture or call my sermon in the presence of greatness. And now I, I want to say to you that if you are anointed, and we discussed that last, last week, that we have all been anointed for a purpose, then we all carry greatness within us. Okay, greatness that's going to be expressed in different ways, in different places, which is unique to us. Um, so if we go to 1 Samuel 18 verses 5 to 16, and so I'm going to encourage you to go back to 1 Samuel 16, which is the point where David's, David says, Samuel, to, to Jesse's house, to gonna, uh, uh, anoint David. Jesse doesn't think David is even worth 
calling for this meeting because he doesn't think he has anything to offer. Okay, and he keeps him in the fields as a shepherd, and he brings all the other Lani sons, all the educated ones, all the pretty ones, all the strong ones, all the educated ones, and says, yeah, they are, and God says no. And so he has to wait for him to go and fetch David from the fields, and eventually anoints him. Then in verse 17, okay, David got, or at the end of verse 16, it says David goes back to the sheep. So he gets anointed, and he goes back to the sheep. And then in verse 17, or chapter 17, sorry, um, the Israelites go, the Israelites go to war, the, the Palestinians become a problem, and they go to war, and Jesse sends David, who's the only remaining son at home, to take food parcels to the other sons who are on the, battle, on the front line of the battle. And they get there, and the Israelite army are running in all directions because there's this big, gruesome oak um, called Goliath, who's in, intimidating and terrorizing everybody, and nobody's prepared to stand up and fight him. And David goes up to Saul and says to him, I'll fight him. And you know the story about David and Goliath. The rest is history, okay? And David steps into a new place, a new role, a new purpose. And it was his experience of looking after the sheep that sets him up for the battle that he's going to fight. So even if you're not in active ministry, if you're still looking after the sheep, okay, God is preparing you for the purpose he has planned for you. And then we, we pick up the passage in 1 Samuel chapter 18, and I'm reading from the message. It says, by the time David had finished reporting to Saul, Jonathan was deeply impressed with David. An immediate bond was forged between them. He became totally committed to David. From that point on, he would be David's number one advocate and friend. Saul received David into his own household that day, no more to return to the home of his father. Jonathan, out of deep love for David, made a covenant with him. He formalizes with solemn, solemn gifts his own royal robe and weapons, armor, sword, bow, and belt. Okay, so David comes there as a shepherd with a shepherd's outfit. He goes into battle. He defeats the enemy that's been terrorizing everybody. And he gets a royal robe in return for that. And he gets a, a, a commitment and a friendship that will save his life going forward. Whatever Saul gave David to do, he did it and he did it well. Okay, the other translations say whatever he did, he did it and he prospered in all that he did. So well that Saul put him in charge of his military operations, everybody, both the people in general and Saul's servants, approved of and admired David's leadership. Okay, so yeah, this little shepherd boy who's been designated to go and take food passes to his brother, he wasn't considered worthy of fighting in this battle, who steps into a place that he wasn't called to be. But he was ordained to be. God had equipped him to be. So often we, we step back from our calling and our purpose because we think we are, we, it's not for us. There are other people more skilled, more qualified than who I am who should be fighting that. There's the person with the, with the, with the sword and the, the shield, etc. is more equipped to do this than I am. But when everybody around you is running for cover, somebody needs to step up. Okay, and if it's the little shepherd boy with the stone then that's who God's going to use. And so he comes from this battle, which is wow, and everybody thinks he's spectacular, and God just 
promotes him into a different realm. And everything that he touches prospers. And eventually he gets put, put in charge of the army and his leadership is, is admired by everybody. Okay, so eventually it becomes a question of David's name is on everybody's lips. Okay, the shepherd that nobody knew becomes the name on everybody's lips. As they returned home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman poured out all of poured out of all the villages of Israel singing and dancing, welcoming King Saul with tambourines, festive songs, and lutes. In playful frolic, the woman sing, Saul kills by the thousand, David kills by the ten thousand. This makes Saul angry, okay? Very angry. He took it as a personal insult. He said, they credit David with 10,000 and me with only thousands. Before you know it, they'll be giving him the kingdom. Isn't that what Jesus offered us? From that moment on, Saul kept his eyes on David. The next day, an ugly mood was sent by God to afflict Saul, who became quiet beside himself, raving. David played his harp, as he usually did at such times. Saul had a spear in his hand. Suddenly, Saul threw the spear thinking, I'll nail David to the wall. David, David ducked and the, sport, the spear missed him. This happened twice. Okay, so David got into the palace because this evil spirit had fallen on Saul and he was tormented and he couldn't sleep and he had no peace. So they brought David from the fields to the palace to come and play his harp because he could do it well. Okay, but he wasn't a full-time resident, so whenever he had... Saul was having a moment, they would bring, bring David and he'd come and play his harp. He would lead him in worship, into the presence of God. Okay, so when he was tormented, worship brought Saul to the place where he saw God again. But now Saul is so envious of David that he is now living in the house. And he has a moment and he decides to kill David. And David is aware of what's going on, and he ducks, and he carries on. But what does he do? He takes out his harp, and he plays for the guy who's just tried to kill him. Now Saul feared David. It was clear that God was with David and had left Saul. So Saul got David out of his sight by making him an officer in the army. An officer in the army. David was in, a combat, in combat frequently. Everything David did turned out well. Yes, God was with him. And Saul saw David becoming more successful. He himself grew more fearful. He could see the handwriting on the wall. But everyone else in Israel and Judah loved David. They loved watching him in action. And then if we script down to verse 23, the king's servants told, okay, eventually Saul promises that David can marry his eldest daughter. He deceives him, and David ends up marrying Michal, which is the second daughter. And it says, the king's servants told all, all this to David, but David held back. What are you thinking of? I can't do that. I'm a nobody. nobody. I have nothing to offer. So even after he's gone through all this, he's killed, killed Goliath, he's moved into the palace, he's helped Saul, he's done all this stuff, and he's become a general and a leader, and he's, he is celebrated. He says to him, I have nothing to offer. And it's true, without the anointing, we have nothing to offer. And we see that contrast between Saul and David in this specific, okay? Because Saul took it, 
upon himself to act disobedient, to disobey God's direct instructions to him. And God withdrew the anointing. He withdrew his favor, and Saul's empire crumbled. But David operates in faith and obedience, and he's, he's, he's elevated into a new dimension. And so, what is the, the true essence of greatness? <coughs> the, the world says true greatness is seen in how much money a person has. It can be determined by the car they drive, the size of the house, or the status they have achieved in life. But is true greatness recognizable one's achievement in life? And then, yes, I think is the, the, the crux of what is true greatness is in Job 1 verse 8. When the devil comes to God and says, I want to test one of your people. Um, God himself declares Job's greatness. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Okay, when God is singing your praises, you, you've arrived. Okay, until then, don't, don't bother. Okay, you're not there yet. <laughs> um, true greatness is not measured by what you achieve, but by how you live your life. And if you, if you want an example of that today, okay, Pastor Wendy, who is making sacrifice upon sacrifice to step into the darkest places to bring light. And I think it's fitting that you give her a reflective vest, okay, because it just brings light into the darkness. And the little light that is appropriate, that is around there, just becomes highlighted, just reflected. And so... In in trying to keep this brief, <laughs> um, okay. So David's just a kid. He's he's a youngster in and all. He's he's walked into all this greatness, okay. And God's unleashed all this stuff in his life. But there's three. I want to look at the presentation of David's life. Three times in this chapter, okay, we are told of David behaved himself wisely. The phrase speaks of someone who walks properly. The person knows how to carry themselves. It speaks of more than manners. It speaks of, yes, somebody who fears God. Okay, the fear of God is evident in his life. The power of God is evident in his life. And I want to suggest you that if you're struggling in that area of your life, okay, to walk uprightly or to walk as an example of who God is, when we go to Lesotho, we wear an Africa Jesus Africa shirt. And we have signs on the, on the cars. Okay, and I can tell you now that it changes the way you drive. <laughs> okay, th these people become law-abiding people, they become courteous, they allow taxi space, they do everything, okay, because people can see who they are. Okay, suddenly you're not driving for yourself, you're driving for Jesus. Okay, it makes a difference. <laughs> um, 
If you, so if you're struggling to find your identity, wear t-shirts that says Jesus is alive. Do change, change your outfit, the appearance, it's going to change the inward man. Okay, because people will be looking to you for, for, to try and trip you up firstly, but to look for hope. And so as Pastor Wendy puts on her reflective bib, there's no place to hide. <laughs> okay, but so the, the biggest test of a man's character is not how he behaves in his struggles. It's how he behaves in his promotion. Okay, because power is a pride thing. can go to your head so quickly. And so in this, this chapter, as David defeated Goliath. He continues to prove himself to be a faithful, loyal subject by the day. So when he has saved Israel from this giant, okay, he still submits and surrenders to Saul. His power hasn't gone to his head. He still does everything that Saul asked him to do. Okay, he knew he was on a journey to his destiny because he knew he had been anointed as the king. But he wasn't mature enough to be the king. He had to learn. And so, too often we want instant results. We want to... We, we step into God's calling for us and God does the miraculous and suddenly we think, I should be the pastor. I should be this. I, I, we don't want to do the journey that God takes us on. The process, yes. When God allows us to see victory, we need to be aware of the snare of pride. Okay, and the euphoria of Victory. I am amazed. Oh no, I'm excited to see those people that were in New Bethesda last weekend. Um, each one of them has this joy just bubbling out of them. Can okay, just want more and more and more? And Elmarie is on record saying that she she just can't stop and she she just loves those people. But I want to say to you that if you watched at the world yesterday on, on Friday, okay. You could see the anointing on her through Facebook. She just reflected and radiated what had been gone down in New Bethesda. And so, but we have to be cautious not to let that become a defining moment. It becomes the stepping stone. It becomes part of the process, part of the journey. Because if you get stuck here, Okay, then you are defined and you become like Saul, where you'll be cut down. And then he behaved himself well in spite of life's problems. Okay, now I don't know about you, but I think the battle David fought, the easiest one was Goliath. Okay, the most difficult one was Saul. Because okay, the enemy he couldn't see. It's the enemy he knew. Okay, but it was also the enemy he had to submit to. Okay, so he still had to play the harp even when Saul tried to kill him. He was still in the chamber. He couldn't leave. Now, for many of us, I mean, we, we have daily of people who leave the church because they were offended. Okay, David had every opportunity to leave. Okay, and he could have justified it to God and said, listen, did you see what Derek did to me? Not once, but twice he's tried to take me out. He's deceived me. He's done all this kind of stuff. 
But yet, David stays faithful to what God has called him to. A sign of true greatness is one's faith is the ability to continue to walk even when things are not going well in your life. I think there's few of us in this church who are unscathed by the challenges of the last two years, okay? Um, but this church has been constant in its walk with, in faith. It has stepped out, it has taken every challenge head on. It has encouraged each one of us in our moment of weakness, in our moment where throwing, throwing in the towel is justifiable. Okay? He, we've been, we just kept going, and it's because of the leadership that we, that we the, the anointing that we flow in. Okay? Mom and dad have been incredible in keeping things going, even when it's not easy. I, yeah, when we started building in Lesotho, our, our mission in the beginning was always we were going to create the people who want to go to church, and then we would build a church. Um, that was quite simple, okay? We never thought we'd get to the point where we'd get to build the church. Okay, nobody thought that we'd actually get the people to. But it just so happened that God gave us land, God gave us a plan, God did all this stuff. And so we started, and the building happened by itself. But there was a point where, and for some of you might remember that every second week, I ended up going to Lesotho to take building supplies. So I'd leave home at 3 o'clock on a Saturday morning, pick up building supplies, drive to Rumpai, drop it off, leave there 5 o'clock on a Sunday and drive back so I can be back by lunchtime to spend time with my family. It became hard. It became difficult. It became frustrating. Um, conditions weren't always ideal, okay? It was in the snow, it was in the rain, it was cold, it was lonely. And there were many days when I traveled in, that, in, in those trips when I said to God, have I heard you correctly? Have I made a mistake? Okay, and God just kept saying, keep going, keep going, keep going. And so we did. Okay, and the church is now there to be seen. But it would have been very easy to throw in the towel along the way. And sometimes it's the, the, the challenges in life that get us down. And because we're not prepared to walk in faith. We're not prepared to persevere when it's difficult. But we also, when God anoints David as king, his life is filled with possibilities. And I'm sure if you took any 16-year-old today and you said to him, you're going to be a king. Okay, maybe a king's a bad example um, because we don't really have good examples of kings today. But you're going to be celebrity. You're going to be whatever God has called you to be in the future. Okay, that kid will not sleep for a week as he dreams of possibilities, as he dreams new dreams. As he... But are you prepared to wait while the possibilities and the realities unfold. David has become more popular than King Saul. David is married into Saul's family. 
And David is blessed as he prospered greatly in Israel. He's in a position to attempt to overthrow Saul. Okay, so the first time somebody throws a, throws a spear at you, I'm sure you might want to retaliate. <laughs> but David decides, continues to carry himself as God would want him to, despite the opportunities to promote himself. God knows where we are, and he knows how to elevate us in our current circumstances. Our duty is to live for him and make a proper presentation and representation of who he is. Okay. David set an example as a young boy of who we ought to be. And sometimes you want to look at Samuel as the older man or the, the, the older folk. We look up to the older folk, okay, um, as the examples. But as a kid, or as, oops, as a youth, okay, um, before I get flogged there, he is the example that we need to take in for our own lives. So what are the priorities of David's life? David is faithful in his priorities. He carried on with his assignment in spite of the difficulties he faced. David was surrendered. Okay, so this guy goes and slays a giant and then comes and surrenders to the king. Even if he knows, even as he knew that Saul was against him, okay, it, everything that he stood for, everything that he, he represented, Saul was anti because he was going to... He was going to displace him as king. But yet he surrendered because that's what God wanted him to do. David was steadfast. Despite Saul's attempt to kill him, he remained steadfast in his faith. And he knew that if he could, do, if he could slay a giant, that he could avoid Saul's worst efforts or best efforts of trying to, to kill him. But David was submissive. David doesn't attack Saul in this process. Okay, he stands there and he avoids the thing and then he continues to play the harp as is what he was called to do. And he submits to this thing, and which is essentially the whole act of sonship. Which is the journey we, we travel in, in this church of sonship. Is being submissive even when we don't understand, even when we don't agree. Okay, and sub, be, being submissive for me has been a huge challenge in my life, okay? Um, I've challenged everything. So we have to persevere to get to the objectives God has for us. Those things you attach value to will determine the priorities of your life. Okay, so I don't know. David didn't, was not his father's blue-eyed boy. Okay, he wasn't the family hero. Um, so much so that his father left him in the fields and didn't think he was worthy of being brought. Whether his upbringing brought him to a place where he was accepted, prepared to accept what Saul was throwing at him. But what he did know is that the anointing had set him up for more than life could throw at him. And so as we, and particularly today, as we celebrate Pastor Wendy, who's going to go into the, 
the worst places that life can throw at her, the painful places, the darkest places, the anointing on her is going to take her beyond those places. Everything in life is touched by this principle of that which you value will determine your life. You see, your church attendance is determined by your values. Do you value church? Is it a priority for you? Your prayer life is determined by how much value you attach to prayer. And what your priority is in terms of prayer. Your Bible study is determined by your priorities that you place and the value you place on, on God's word. What you do and what you think is determined by the values you hold true. David's standard of living is one from which we could all take a lesson. At some point, David had determined to be faithful in, in spite of injury, in spite of trouble, in spite of difficulty. We look around us in our country and we see difficulty, we see trouble, we see injury. And we have a choice to step away and say, well, there's another army. And if they're terrified, I'm more terrified than them. Okay, or we can be the atmosphere changer. That says, when you run, I will stand in faith. When you hurt, I'll stand in faith. Tell you what, there's nothing more significant in terms of changing the atmosphere than slaying the dragon. Uh, the, 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 the giant, okay? Um, <laughs> the same thing, yes. Okay. The, he, there's an army on the run. Okay. And a little kid comes and says, I beg to differ. Our chaplains over here step into the darkest places. Our God says, he begs to differ. If you want an example of atmosphere changes, come have a look here. Our friends in uniform over there, they say, we beg to differ. We will shine the light in the darkness. What are you prepared to do in your community, in your family, in your place of employment? Are we prepared to stand up for righteousness? The perception of David's life How King Saul perceived David is he hated David and wanted him dead. When he looked at David, he looked at him through jealous eyes. Because that which David was becoming, he could have been. If he had chosen to be obedient. He saw a young man that was ambitious and full of promise. But he's mostly he saw a person who was not prepared to 
step out of righteousness and into greed and into pride. But he hated David because God was with him and God had withdrawn the blessing from his own life. But the public perception of David's life is how the people of Israel perceived David. Saul's servants, the people in the king's palace saw how David carried himself and they were impressed with David. Saul's subjects, all of the people saw God's hand on David's life and they were impressed with him. Saul's son and daughter, even Saul's own children, Jonathan and Michal, loved David. There's something about his life that touches them. Now, not if you carry the anointing and you're non-offensive, you're not carrying your anointing well. There's always somebody who's going to be offended by the fact that you stand up for righteousness. In this community of ours today, the mere word of mention of the word of God or Jesus Christ is offensive. And we have become too submissive in that environment. We prepare, we are rather prepared to, to blend in than to stand out. And David chose to stand out irrespective of the consequences. But the only person in Israel who seemed unaware of David's greatness was David himself. When he has the, the offer of marriage, he says, but how can I be the son of a king? But that is what Jesus has brought us into. He's into the kingdom and he calls us sons and daughters. If you can't accept that you are a son and daughter of Jesus Christ, and that you have the anointing and you have the DNA of the Father in your veins, then we need to talk. You see, David was filled with righteousness. His pursuit of righteousness helped him not to lose focus of where he was going. Even in trying times, he sought God's guidance and his direction. Even as the spears were flying, flying past his head, and he was ducking at the way, I can I just imagine his cries to God, what now? But David's relationship with the Lord was intimate. Okay, you don't have this kind of steadfastness, this type of trust, unless you have an intimate relationship with God. And then, all David's resources were in the Lord. And if you go back to the struggle, the, the battle with Goliath, okay, everybody offered him counsel. Everybody offered him protection. His brothers tried to talk him out of his madness. But his resources were in the Lord. And he slayed the, the giant with a, you know the story, with a slingshot and a couple of stones. Okay, because he trusted God. And how did he get to trust God? Is because God had raised him through challenges in his life before he stepped into his anointing of the lion and the bear. Okay, that which you are going through now is your preparation. It's your, it's your stepping stone into the anointing that God is calling you for. It is learning to trust God 
before it matters. And so don't let your circumstances ruin your relationship. Don't let your circumstances steal your intimacy. And don't let your circumstances change your, your, your desire for righteousness. But all of this, none of this is possible. This relationship with God is a pipe dream unless we have Jesus as our Savior. And so today I want to ask you, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then I want to invite you today to meet this God who seeks to appoint you into new places, who seeks to promote you, has a purpose and a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. Is there anybody here who today has not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior? We'd like to pray with you. I see you. Can we all stand and pray together? Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I acknowledge, Lord, that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior. I ask forgiveness of my sins and receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe that He died and rose so that I may belong to you. Thank you that from this moment on, I am forgiven and free. I'm now a child of God. Amen. Please be seated. For anybody who has prayed this prayer for the first time today, and you've meant it from your heart. Pastor Wendy, I think, is at the back there. And she would like to just give you a card and just to chat to you further. You can meet with her now. But what is evident for me is the difference between Saul and David. Saul was a normal human being like you and I. He suffered the same temptations. He had the same weaknesses that you and I had. Saul and David were of the same cloth. The only difference is that when Saul went astray, he could justify his actions to God. When David went astray, and you might argue that David's sinfulness if you were to be the judge and the jury in this situation, it might have been worse than Saul's. But David chose repentance. As soon as he became aware of his sinfulness, David chose repentance. Saul chose pride and arrogance. 
And he would not submit to the authority of God. But David chose repentance. And it's not a word we hear much in church anymore. It has fallen out of favor. We preach forgiveness time and time again. When we say that you can come to God and you can be forgiven, and God is faithful. And God does forgive. But God does demand repentance. You cannot keep doing the same thing over and over and demand forgiveness over and over. And so, as we step into the fullness of who God calls us to be, God will convict us of those things in our lives that need to change. Once we are convicted, we have an obligation to change. I know in my own life I have stubbornnesses that I hang on to, pet indulgences that I think can't be that bad, man. And God keeps convicting me and saying to me, repent, repent, repent. And it's a tough one. It's a tough one. But you cannot be a king with a pauper mentality. You cannot step into fullness from a place where you are devoid. You're from a place where you are unfillable. And so today as we wrap this up, my invitation to you that if you've heard God speak, if God has stirred your heart, and you need to come to a place of repentance, and I want to invite you to the front here. I want to invite you to a place where you come and you say, God, use me as you see fit. God, use me to be an atmosphere changer. Lord, help me to have the courage to be an atmosphere shifter. Father, forgive me for the times I've chosen not to. Forgive me, Lord, for the many times when I've heard you speak, but I've chosen pride over righteousness. Oh, Lord. Father, you know that I should be standing with these people. Father God, we pray now, Lord, that you would forgive us. Father, we come into this place, Lord, of repentance. We pray, Father God, that you'd give us the courage, Lord, to seek your will in such an intimate way, Lord that we have no choice, that we have no choice 
but to surrender and to follow you. Father God, as we let go of that which is not of you, Father, as we let go of that which you have convicted us of, Lord, Father, we pray that you just allow, increase our trust in you, Lord. Father God, that we know that that which we leave behind, Lord, will be replaced with newness and fullness of who you are. Father, we come now, Lord, we pray for a fresh revelation, Lord, of your Holy Spirit. Release your Spirit now on each one of these people, Father God. Touch their hearts, Lord. Set them apart for you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Our services are streamed live on our Facebook page every Sunday morning at 9.30. For more information and resources, please go to our website, www.frontlinecitychurch.co.za or look us up on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube.